It's May 23rd, 2018 today. Already the 23rd of May, 2018. And the title of tonight's message is Harder, Better, Faster, Stronger. You guys ready for this? Yeah. Amen. As Pastor Wade mentioned to us this evening already, we had two LCM babies born yesterday within an hour and six minutes of each other. Somebody give glory to God. Man, can you believe that? We've got Vera Elizabeth Phillips born. An hour and six minutes, roughly later, we had Benaya Asher Hewitt born. Both yesterday, May 22nd, 2018. I'll tell you what, church. We are punching the devil back squarely in the face for what he thinks he has taken from us. We are the victorious church of the living God. Can somebody say amen? Amen. He's going to get everything that's due him. It's just a matter of time, I promise. I promise you. We're not stopping now. Grace, we're not stopping now, are we? We're not stopping yet. Come on, Joyce. We're not stopping. Joyce isn't even in here, but we're not stopping yet, Joyce. (laughs) Patricia, we're not stopping yet, are we? No, we're going to see godly offspring being produced in this church for our king. We're not stopping yet, church. There's still work to be done. Whenever you think about these families, keep praying. It's so clearly on my heart and mind, and I know on so many of you guys, it's so clearly on your heart up to this point. Don't let it fade. Don't let that necessity inside of you fade. Do not put it by the wayside. We are in a fight, and we've seen some victory. We want to continue in that victory. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, we've had a a few amazing messages these last couple weeks. Would you agree? Three Wednesdays ago, too close for comfort. We are comforted in suffering so that we can comfort others. Everybody say others. Others. We're comforted in suffering so that we can comfort others. Three Sundays ago, drowning in his goodness, the Holy Spirit encouraging us that it's time to flow outward to others with what we are being given. Somebody say others. others. Come on. Two Wednesdays ago, a fellowship offering. You cannot have the true fellowship of the Holy Spirit unless you are truly selfless in your motivations, living for the benefit of others. All right, some of you guys are getting the hang of it here. Two Sundays ago, generations that are stirred, not shaken. We often find ourselves waiting to be stirred when we are actually supposed to be filled with the Spirit and the Word so that we can stir up others. Amen. Good job. Last Wednesday, Brent spoke, agape, from the heart of evangelism. We need a reckless agape for others, including our brothers and the lost. Last Sunday, Wade preached to us last Sunday, when God comes down. It was Wade, but it was truly a word of the Holy Ghost. We had a theophany with the Lord that worked to change us so that we can change Others. Do you guys, you see the outward focus of these words? Are you guys hearing that? Every single word that has been preached over these last couple few weeks has had a serious lesson 
about how what we've been given is supposed to be affecting others. I hope you guys are, are able to see that. I hope that through these last few weeks you're able to grasp how important that is. What you're being given is for other people. Get that revelation. Hold it close to you that what you have is not for you, guys. It's not for you. It's for the other people all around you. That is so important. Do you see where the Holy Ghost is trying to point us? Man, there's been prophecies around the church recently that it's time to start reaping a harvest. It's time to start actually seeing that harvest coming up. Don't find yourself being left out of what the Lord is doing in this season. Go preach. Go teach. Go proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. Go and do whatever it takes to see the harvest for the Lord God Almighty happening in your life and in your family's life and through you guys. Do whatever it takes because that's the direction that the Holy Ghost has clearly set us on. So don't be left out, guys. There's so many things going on all around us. that We, we went to a, a restaurant on Sunday that we felt like the Lord wanted us to go to, we talked to six different people that were God-heaven-ordained meetings. And I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're going to find and you're, you guys are going to meet. If you, if you weren't there on Sunday, you're going to meet some of these people that we encountered. Isn't that right, brother? You're going to meet some of these people that we encountered. And you're going to see that the Lord wants to move. He wants that seed that has been sown to actually begin to reap that harvest in our midst. And he's going to have his harvest. You're going to jump on and become a part of it? In light of this, we have a word tonight. And you know what? It starts in kind of a strange place. If you guys heard the title, Harder, Better, Faster, Stronger, it might bring back a, an older song from the early 2000s to your memory. It might even bring the remake. The, into, your, into your mind from later 2000s. I don't know. I don't know about you, but it, it did for me. Look, the fact of the matter is, is that there's a couple things that we can take away from this song. One of those things is this line. Whatever doesn't kill me can only make me stronger. You guys believe that tonight? Yes. Whatever does not kill you, you got to set your faces flint and say, it's only going to make me stronger. You're not going to kill me, but what comes against me? It's going to make me stronger in the name of Jesus. Look, in, the, in light of what the Holy Spirit has been speaking to us, it's time to get to work tonight. So we don't want you guys to just sit back and relax tonight. We want you to go with the Holy Ghost and with us where we're going. You guys do that? Yes. We're so excited to be here. I, I, I know I can speak for Peyton. We are so excited to be here just, just together with you guys tonight. The first concept that we'd like to tackle tonight is entitled, We Work Harder. Amen. We Work Harder. That's going to be number one tonight. Peyton's going to talk to us about working harder. Amen. Say, we work harder. We work harder. You know, being in the kingdom, a son and daughter of the kingdom, your life is going to be so much more difficult than if you had never entered the kingdom. Now, we're going to have to chew on that tonight. Because our flesh wants it to be easy. We want to have our comfy lives. But when you chose to follow Jesus, you also chose to suffer for him. To not back up. To not let up or shut up. But when Satan tries to shut us up, we just get louder. <laughs> Let's go to Exodus 5. 
And when you get to Exodus 5, find verse 5. So when our life gets difficult and we're, we have all these things that seem to go wrong or we lose resources, we should take delight in that we get to work harder for our king. We get to prove to the heavenly powers, to the people we work with, to our enemies, uh, the people who are always trying to make us look like fools, that no matter what you do, we will always serve the Lord faithfully <laughs> and do exactly what he commands. Verse 5. Then Pharaoh said, look, the people of the land are now numerous, and you are stopping them from working? That same day, Pharaoh gave this order to, to the slave drivers and foremen in charge of the people. You are no longer to supply the, devil, or <laughs> supply the people with straw for making bricks. Let them go and gather their own straw, but require them to make the same number of bricks as before. Do not reduce the quota. They are lazy. That is why they are crying out. Let us go and sacrifice to our God. Make the work harder for the men so that they keep working and pay no attention to lies. See, demonic opposition is always going to have a major part in a spiritual battle. But as you're trying to get to that place to worship the Lord, are your weeks getting easier? They're getting harder. Mm-hmm. That's not... Not rhetorical. Is it getting harder or easier? Everyone, everyone's week gets harder the more you want to be with the Lord. You're trying to get away with Him. You're trying to get in the Word. You're trying to get to fellowship. It gets more and more difficult. Well, congratulations. Reverse validation. Because if we are to always be together, always going after the Lord, Satan knows that you become a threat to him. And so he's going to take away your resources. He's going to make it more difficult. He's going to put more on you. And he's going to try to put your flame out. But if you love the Lord and you press in and you go after it, he's going to give you the strength to carry on. And it's going to prove to the devil that no matter what he does to you and puts in front of you, you're going to trample right over him. Amen? Let's go to Colossians 1. It's time to get to work. It's time to work harder. So that we can become perfect in Christ. And we can help others become perfect in Christ. Verse 28. Everyone say there when you're there. We proclaim him. Admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom. So that we may present everyone. Everyone say everyone. Everyone. Perfect in Christ. To this end I labor. Struggling with all his energy which so powerfully works in me. Do you hear the emphasis? It's His energy. It's His power that's working in us to present not only ourselves, but everyone else perfect in Christ. How many arguments, maybe even this week, have you been, uh, maybe not arguments, but you're sharing the gospel with someone. You're telling them how much you love Jesus, how much he's delivering you from all your fears and all your struggles. And he's so faithful even when we're faithless. And they say, well, maybe for you, but no one's perfect. We're supposed to be perfect. We're supposed to be be being made perfect. So if you've already accepted the fact that you will never be there, you've already disqualified yourself from salvation because you will never be willing to do the work that it takes to be perfect. We have to work harder, church. 
if you feel like you're, you're always one step behind everyone, it's probably because you're running alone. You're building bricks alone. It's time to get closer to the body, to get closer to your brothers and start building together because together we will help each other become perfect in Christ. Let's look at Ezekiel chapter 3 and get his commentary on the subject. Say there when you're there. Verse 7. But the house of Israel is not willing to listen to you because they are not willing to listen to me. I'll make you preach. For the whole house of Israel is hardened and obstinate. But I will make you... As unyielding, unyielding and hardened as they are, I will make your forehead like the hardest stone, harder than flint. Do not be afraid of them or terrified by them, though they are, rebelli- th- though they are a rebellious house. Come on, say the opposition is hard, but I'm stronger. Say I'm stronger. Do you believe it tonight? If you're going to follow the Lord and do the difficult things, if you're going to work harder... You're going to need His grace to work in you. Right, Andrew? Come on, if I was going to tackle you right now, what would, what would be your reaction? Would you brace up or would you just let me take over you? Yeah, a little five foot three Peyton is going to, you know, he's not going to take over you if, you if you get up and brace yourself and say, no matter what you bring at me, I'm going to stop it. And what the Lord does is when we go after His will, whatever it may be, it may be proclaiming judgment to a nation, like, God is going to burn you. It's harsh. Or maybe <laughs> you go to a brother, and he's in the Lord, and you love him, but you're revealing sin, and you know he's not repenting, and you have to give the harsh word to reveal the truth, and you feel like, oh, well, I don't know the scripture as much as he does. I, I don't even want to fight for it, because he'll just whoop me with the word, right? It, has that happened to anyone? You're too scared to bring up something you know is true in the word, written, And you don't want to share it with them because you feel like you can't stand the test if they begin to fight back against you. We have to kill that. We have to let the word be true and be able to deliver it with confidence. Because the Lord will be behind you and he'll make your head harder than flint. Come on, can you imagine if Spencer had a flint helmet on and we told him to run through that wall? That's... That's very possible. That's the point I'm making. It's very possible. But you put a flint helmet on me, maybe, maybe. But I'll tell you what, if God told me to run through that wall, I have a flint helmet on. I'm not going to stop until it comes down. Amen? We need persistence in the house of the Lord. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 15. Find verse 10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And His grace to me was not without effect. No, I work harder than all of them. Yet, not I, but the grace of God that was within me. We need to lose ourselves in the grace of God. 
We need to lose our identity in the grace of God and work so hard that we forget who we were and allow His grace to accomplish in us the things that He's called us to. You're not strong enough to accomplish everything in your own strength. You have to have something supernatural, birthed of the heavens, inside of you, working and moving and acting and growing so that you can accomplish everything that the Lord's called you to. Let's jump to 2 Corinthians 11 and find verse 23. Are they servants of Christ? I am out of my mind to talk like this. I am more. I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Paul says, I'm out of my mind to talk like this because it's not the point. The point is everything that I've endured, I've endured for the sake of Christ. But he's making the point that it was his grace that was working in him so that he could withstand those tests and trials. The Lord wants to pour out his grace on you tonight. We want to encourage this church. Uh, you are the most hardworking Christians I've ever been around. I'm kind of a, a lazy dud. But being around people who love the Lord as much as you do, it's spurring me along to act in accordance to the grace that God has given me so that I can supernaturally accomplish everything that he's called me to. We want to lift you up tonight. We want to encourage you through the word and uh, through admonishing you, warning you, and telling you the truth. Your faithfulness is encouraging people like myself. It's bringing people from all over Houston, all over the world, into a deeper relationship with Christ because of your willingness to work harder. I have a mic right here. So, before we go on to the next one, working hard, to work harder, you know, We're not necessarily talking about, man, you need to spend more time doing some stuff that you're neglecting. Now, that's that's definitely where some of us are. But for a lot of us in this room, that's not what we're talking about at all. That's not what the Lord put on our heart at all. We're talking about what are you doing that is intentional for God. We're not talking about you need to spend more time doing X, Y, and Z. We're talking about... When you're doing things seemingly for the Lord, how intentional are you? How intentional are you before in seeking His face and figuring out what that is? How intentional are you there to bring up the Word, to bring up prayer, to bring up things that will be an admonishment for the ones that you're hanging out with and to not just waste the time? And when you're leaving, how intentional are you to make sure that you've accomplished everything that the Spirit of God wanted you to accomplish? You see, there's a next level to be had, brothers and sisters of Christ. My brothers and sisters, there's a next level to be had. Intentional, intentionality in where you're going and what you're doing and how you're doing it is a way that all of us are going to be growing. Now, of course, there are some that have got a little complacency in you and you need to cast it out and you need to get rid of it. And you need not be complacent 
while the rest of your brothers and sisters are attempting to be intentional with their time for the Lord. Throw complacency out the window. If you're a family that finds themselves complacent multiple nights of the week, throw it out the window. You need to be with each other every once in a while, but don't let that turn into complacency. Don't let it turn into something that is a crutch for you, that prevents you from being in fellowship and prevents you from growing in fellowship. Make sure that you're taking this to heart tonight. And Where we're going with this is, is the second point that we wanted to make. You guys ready for number two? Yeah. We elevate others as better. We elevate others as better. So we have this harder, better, faster, stronger concept. And number two is we elevate others as better. Turn with me to Leviticus chapter 19. We're going to begin reading in verse 17. Let us know when you're there. It says this. Do not hate your brother in your heart. Rebuke your neighbor frankly, so you will not share in his guilt. Well, first of all, you've got to be around your neighbor to make sure that you get this right. You've got to be in that fellowship first. Let's just get that out there. But if you're in the fellowship, there's going to be some pretty uncomfortable times that you have with one another. Who, who's, raise your hand if you've ever had any uncomfortable times with me. Yeah, they, they've been challenging, but guess what? I'm looking around and I'm seeing, I'm seeing the hands that are in the air, and goodness gracious, I love you guys. Oh my goodness, we're better for it, and the kingdom of God is better for it. The thing is, is that if we don't rebuke our neighbor frankly, what, what are we doing? Are we only rebuking our neighbor if we feel very, very overly convicted by it? We have to get to that point where... Our heart is beating out of our chest and we can't do anything else because the Holy Ghost is speaking to us. You must do this. Are we, do we have to get to that point? Or are we at the point where uh, maybe we're thinking, rebuke your neighbor harshly. Rebuke him overly harshly. And we're, we're in this point where we're either overly harsh or we absolutely have to be forced by the Holy Ghost inside of us to rebuke a neighbor. That's not what the verse says at all. Rebuke your neighbor frankly. Hey, just let your yes be yes and your no be no. If something's going on and it's against the word, just, then just frankly bring it to your brother. That's a good word. You, you love each other, don't you? Yes. I love you. You love me. Everybody around here, everybody in this room, I love. Just rebuke each other frankly, guys. That's what we need to do. It's what the word wants us to do. And it's going to enable us to elevate others as better. You see, when we rebuke somebody frankly, we're actually elevating them as better than ourselves because we're putting our own emotions and feelings to the wayside. We're saying, yeah, I don't care. I don't care what's going to happen because of this. I don't care how I'm going to feel because of this. I care about my brother more. And, And I want the word of God to work on his heart like it's been working on mine. Don't we need that? Check out verse 18. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against one of your people, 
but love your neighbor as yourself, for I am the Lord. Well, how, how important is it to love our neighbor as ourself? Well, according to Matthew 22, it's the second most important thing that we could do in our lives, period. Love our neighbor as ourself. So if we're, if we're looking at 17 and 18, these verses here, and we realize if we do not, if we neglect this, it says that we're sharing in our neighbor's guilt ourselves. Have you thought about that? That if you let something go by the wayside, or if you're just overly getting it for some reason, out of an impure motive, then you're sharing in the guilt of your brother. And you don't even have to be doing it. Just by seeing it and not mentioning something godly to your brother, you're sharing in his guilt. I want all of us to be unified in the Spirit and in the Word. I'm looking at you and I want to be unified with you, Miss Patricia. I want to be unified with you, Timo. I want to be unified with you, Beth. I want to be unified with you guys tonight. So let's make sure that we're not only speaking up when we need to, but we are absolutely opening ourselves up to being spoken to at any moment in time. Don't, don't be offended by it. Welcome it with all of your heart because we're going toward that unity together as a body. Amen. Amen. Turn to Psalm 119. Verse 36. Verse 36 says, Turn my heart toward your statutes and not toward selfish gain. It's pretty straightforward. It's pretty clear. It's pretty easy. But it's really not that easy, is it? You might need to ask Him tonight to turn your heart. We are a forgetful people. And a lot of times, we can forget... That by our own strength, it's very, very, very hard to turn our own hearts. In fact, it's almost impossible. There are many times where it is impossible without His supernatural strength at work inside of us to turn our hearts. So, if we're in this situation, if our hearts are turned towards selfish gain, and maybe we don't even know it tonight, we need to ask. We need to say, Lord God, turn us away from this selfish gain. Turn me away from the selfishness that's working inside of me. I I want to follow after your statutes and I want to be like you for the benefit of my brothers and sisters in this place. If we can be honest with ourselves tonight, raise your hand if if you can be honest with yourself tonight. I'm going to work my best to be honest with myself. What percentage of our day do we spend thinking about what might benefit ourselves? That's a big portion of my day, guys. A really, really big portion. The thing is, is that when I think about it, the percentage of my day that I spend thinking about what might benefit others is less than I would like. It's much less than it should be. So it's time for me to cry out to the Lord. Lord, I need you to change my selfish heart. I want to be more like you. And I need you to change my selfish heart because I obviously can't do it by myself. We need His help tonight, church. We need His help tonight. And guess what? We serve a God that is waiting for us to ask for His help. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? 
We serve a God that is waiting for us to say, Father, I need you to change my selfish heart, and he will do it for you tonight. Man, turn with me to Proverbs 18. Proverbs 18, starting in verse 1, says, An unfriendly man pursues selfish ends. He defies all sound judgment. I got a question. Since we're talking honestly, just you and me tonight, honest question for you. Do you ever feel like you don't belong here at LCM? you ever feel like, man, today... What I'm doing, I just, I just don't feel like I belong here. There's something about it. I'm down. I'm discouraged. I'm beaten up. It's okay. You don't have to be shy about it. But while you have that in your head, think that this verse is a word from the Lord for those that struggle with this thought. It's a demonic thought, first of all. Let's call it for what it is. Let's call it out right now for exactly what it is. But... When you're stuck pursuing selfish ends and selfish means, that's what happens. You start getting these thoughts in your head, just like this verse says. An unfriendly man pursues selfish ends. He defies all sound, judge- sound judgment. It's another area where we need to cry out to the Lord tonight. If we're stuck pursuing selfish ends, then we end up thinking, man, I just don't belong here at LCM. We need to get the selfishness away. And when the Lord begins to change our heart, doing things that we could never do, then guess what? All of a sudden, we have fellowship with our brothers in this place. All of a sudden, we feel a sense of belonging. All of a sudden, we feel a sense of unity, one with another. All of a sudden, we want to reach out and we we say, man, what are you doing tonight? Let's go hang out. Let's go do something. Let's go fellowship. Let's go preach the word somewhere. Let's go out to eat and talk to our waitress. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter. But you feel that sense of unity. When you don't have that selfishness in you anymore. So tonight, it's either one or the other. What are you going to pick? Pick life. Pick life and unity in this body. Ask the Lord. Cry out. No more selfishness in here tonight. Let's turn to Philippians chapter 1. Say there when you land on verse 27. I am so encouraged by Philippians chapter 1 and into chapter 2 today. I know it's, it's been a verse that's been rolling around in us, especially, especially the last two weeks. So, we need to read it again. Don't we, Linton? Come on, man. We need to read this verse again, don't we? Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. How are we going to do that? What a high calling we have. Then, whether I come and see you, or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel. Everybody, look at the family behind you. All right. Now, look at the family in front of you. The goal tonight is that when we leave this place, we can say what Paul said to the church in Philippi. That as one man, as one unit, we are contending for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, you might have walked in here 
and you didn't feel like you were one with everybody else in the room. To be honest, I walked in here tonight and I didn't feel quite unified like I wanted to. But by the time tonight is over, make it your personal goal. Make it your absolute goal that I'm not going to leave this place until the people to my front and to my back, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we are unified, that we're together and we are moving forward out of this place, performing out there what we've practiced in here and we're unified in one spirit and one goal. And that's to pour out for others. With, verse 28, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. You see, you don't have to be mean. There's a time for seriousness and harshness, but you don't have to be serious and harsh. See, when you're just honest, when you're unified, when you've come together, and you're working on others, they know. They know just by your testimony that you are being saved and they are being damned. They know it. So our responsibility is is not to be overly harsh like we read back in Proverbs. It's not to be overly anything. It's simply to present the gospel in, in a way that changes lives, in a way that the Holy Spirit is revealing to us. Just to open up our mouths and proclaim it. You don't have to prove anything to anybody. You just have to open up your mouth and say what the Lord wants you to say. That's it. The Holy Ghost will do the rest. He'll convict them, the world of sin and guilt. He'll convict them and cause them and say, move forward with this. He'll say, man, you need to be over here. He'll do that. Open up our mouths. It has been granted to you, verse 29. On behalf of Christ, not only to believe in Him, but also to suffer for Him. Since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. Our belief in Christ is total mercy and favor from the Lord. Somebody say amen to that? We know that well. But what we don't know is that our suffering in Christ is also total mercy and total favor from our Lord. Do you believe that tonight? The things that are difficult are mercy and favor from our God. Now, chapter 2, verse 1. What we've been hearing for the last couple weeks. If you have any encouragement from being united in Christ. Now, does anybody in here have any encouragement from the unification in the Spirit of God tonight? Yes. Yes. Amen. If you have any comfort from His love, anybody in here, anybody feel comforted from the love of God? I do. If you have any fellowship with the Spirit, anybody have any fellowship that you're sharing in the Spirit tonight? If you have any tenderness and compassion, anyone, any tenderness and compassion being poured out, I felt it during worship, I know you did too, then make my joy complete by being like-minded. Having the same love, being one in spirit and in purpose. Can you hear it, church? It's what we're going after tonight. The person behind you, the person in front of you, the families around you. We don't want to leave here without knowing that we know that by the power of the Spirit of God, we're dwelling in oneness and unity with one another. We don't want to leave here without that. You see, 
It's the goal that we have to achieve tonight. It's what the Spirit of Christ is saying to us tonight. So if there's anything that's blocking that, I challenge you, get rid of it. Deal with it tonight. If there's anything blocking a unification with your brothers and sisters, deal with it tonight, church. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. But in humility, consider others better than yourselves. You see, the secret to the unification is how you put others above yourself. The secret to the oneness in the Spirit is how we elevate others as better. That's the secret, guys. If you don't have unity with your brothers and sisters in here tonight, according to Ephesians chapter 4, we need to mature. According to Ephesians chapter 4, we're still infants. According to Ephesians chapter 4, we're in danger of being deceived and led led away. So I'm asking you, reach out your hands tonight. Reach out your hands and grab your brothers and sisters. Reach out your hands and grab hold of fellowship. Reach out your hands and grab a hold of one another and put them above yourselves. Get to that spiritual place tonight where we need to be, amen? Amen. Peyton is going to talk to us about how, number three, we respond faster. You guys ready to respond tonight? Well, we're not there yet. But I feel less prophetic now. I like what Nick said about being honest with each other. And uh, when he said, do you ever feel like you don't belong? If you're sitting in this room and you feel that way, that's a lie. Paul, that's a lie. Don't believe it. Let's do each other a favor tonight. And it doesn't have to be eloquent. But find someone you don't really talk to and just be like, hey, I need you. And I'm here for you. Amen? Amen. And then pray tonight. God, give me a chance to prove it. Give me a chance. Nick and I were friends. And we kind of had that same understanding. Like, hey, man, I'm I'm here for you. Cool, man. I'm I'm, I'm there for you. Great, we're friends. That's great. That didn't mean a whole lot until God gave us an opportunity to prove it to each other. And now that God has given us that opportunity, it's like a game. How much can I, how much can I do for my brother so that is, he doesn't outdo me? And it's like a holy competition. We're trying to lay ourselves down for the other. And we have to do that with every single person in the body. So I encourage everyone tonight, just be like, hey, you need something. I'm here for you. I love you. You're my brother. You're my sister. Whatever you need, I'm going to be there. When you get that opportunity, don't hesitate. Our, last, or our, our next point is we respond faster. Faster in what? In repentance and obedience. We have to be quick to change our direction and follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to walk through the seven churches in Turkey. And I want you to hear what some of the charges against them or encouragements to them were. The church of Ephesus. 
the Spirit said, repent and return to your first love. Church of Smyrna said, be faithful unto death. Church in Pergamum, repent from false teachings. Thyatira, repent from putting up with Jezebel. Church in Sardis, repent from trying to act alive while being dead. The church in Philadelphia, don't let anyone take your crown. And the church in Laodicea, repent from being lukewarm. Now as we think about that, let's be honest with ourselves tonight. Do you fall into any of those categories where uh, the Spirit is saying repent of this sin, repent of this wrong in your life? If you, five of the seven churches were told to repent, two were not. Have you forsaken your first love? Do you not do the things that you first did when you fell in love with Jesus? Have you drawn back a little bit? The church in Pergamum was told to repent from false teachings. Have you bought into an ideology that suits your will and your agenda? And you hold it up against what the pastors have taught you. The church in Thyatira was told to repent from putting up with Jezebel. Do you put up with wicked, adulterous conversations? Or uh, maybe TV shows or television or magazines or music that suggest things that God hates. The church in Sardis was told to repent from trying to act alive while being dead. Are you putting on a facade every time that you're in fellowship? You don't have to be afraid of that tonight. We're family. We're going to help each other be perfected through the grace of God in our life. The church in Laodicea was told to repent from being lukewarm. Has that fire that was burning inside of you grown grown cold? Have you settled for a rote, daily uh, routine that looks godly to everyone else, but you know that you're not being fed everything that you need? If you're one of those, then let's be honest tonight and be fast to repent. We have to respond faster. For those who are doing amazing in the Lord and you are on fire tonight and you've gotten your heart right, the church in Smyrna wasn't told to repent but to be faithful unto death. My encouragement to you is to be faithful unto death. It'll cost you everything, but it'll be so worth it when we get to stand with Jesus. (laughs) The church in Philadelphia, don't let anyone take your crown. When Satan tries to come in and tell you all these lies to make you take off your crown willingly, don't. If I can quote an elder whom I respect and love dearly, Elder Bosch, he's very simple in the way that he teaches. You're having bad thoughts, don't. Can we do that tonight? If you're, if you're thinking that you're not a part of this body because you don't measure to some... Uh, amount of knowledge or whatever it is, just don't. Don't think that way. If you're into habits that aren't godly, don't. If you're saying things that aren't in line with Scripture or what's taught from the leadership at this church, just don't. Just don't. Let's go to Revelation 3, verse 19.
Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Let's be earnest tonight. Let's repent tonight. Let's do it faster. We have to respond faster when the Lord is putting something on our heart that has an action tied to it. We have to do it with split-second obedience. We forget that uh, repentance is a gift, and we forget it too often. Are you asking for the gift of repentance tonight? Are you asking for repentance to be alive and well in your life? Yeah, amen. You know, before we were preparing for this word, uh, I had some amazing time with a brother just to pray and repent. Uh, and I don't mind doing it publicly. I had let myself get frustrated with my days, being frustrated with daily life, frustrated with looking out in the world and seeing the wickedness that is so prevailing. And it seems like, uh, godliness is not growing in the way that I want. I want to see exponential growth. And that wasn't a righteous anger. It was a human frustration. And it started spilling over into areas I didn't really want. I was reading the scripture and getting upset. I was praying with my wife and getting upset. I was finding everything wrong with myself and my brothers. Finding something wrong with everything. And so I had to, <laughs> I had to welcome that repentance that God was granting me in that moment. And say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for putting me around brothers who I can openly confess this to. And we can start working towards holiness and being perfected. Repentance is a gift. And if tonight he's putting something on your heart that you need to repent of, then take joy in it. It's awesome. You may not get another chance. You know, it's, it's the most amazing gift that you could be given. And you can make it something material just for a metaphorical sense. If someone was to give you an amazing gift and you just let it pass... Like, that sounds like absolute foolishness. And it is foolish not to take up that gift of repentance tonight. And we're in this together. Remember looking behind you, in front of you? This is our family. And the Spirit of God is allowing us to repent tonight, to get right before Him, to put those devilish, worldly ways behind us and charge on forward into the kingdom of God. We have to respond fast. Let's go to Mark 1. So we respond fast in repentance. We also respond fast in our obedience. Let's find verse 16. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once, everyone say at once. They left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called, he called them, and they left. Their father Zebedee in the, they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. These guys were at work. And Jesus said, come follow me. And it wasn't like they said, well, let me balance the books. Let me finish what I was doing and I'll follow you. They dropped their nets and they ran after Jesus. <laughs> Let's make it practical. If Jesus says to go, are you willing to leave your job right now? Cold turkey, walk out the door. Or does your job have a hold on you? Does your job have authority in your life right now? <laughs> if you've lost a job, does your lack of joblessness have authority on you? Or are you willing to take daily, step-by-step -step obedience to Jesus as he says, come, follow me. Let's go 
to Acts 9. Find verse 18. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. After taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once, he began to preach in the synagogue that Jesus is the Son of God. When you are radically changed by Jesus, you don't go to seminary to prepare and waste your time, which is what seminary usually is. We're preparing you to waste your time. When Jesus says, come follow me, and he lets the scales fall from your eyes, eat the word and regain your strength and get up and preach. Amen. Preaching may not be your thing. Look at me. I, I, I'm terrified to preach. I'm all about singing. The, everything's scripted. I get to read and play a guitar. But whenever you are called to preach... I don't have time to sit around and woe is me. I'm not skilled. I'm filled with the Holy Spirit of God and I have to move in faith. Let his grace work, into, work in me. And when he says, come follow or go preach, I have to respond faster than I did the last time and act in obedience. What is the Holy Spirit of God saying to you tonight that you must do? Whatever it is, you have to respond faster than you did the last time he spoke to you. Let's go to Acts 16, find verse 9. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once, say at once, to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. What nation do you think of when you're in worship? What people group or what person comes to mind when you hear the word or when you're praying in the morning? When the Holy Spirit gives you something to do or someone on your heart you may not know exactly what he wants you to do, but you can make a discerned conclusion because you're filled with his spirit and do it at once. If you see a man calling out for salvation, how do I be saved? Conclude that you're the one to go. Drop everything and go. There is a discipleship process. But I can guarantee you, if I have a dream tonight and a man is standing in Istanbul, Turkey, and he's saying, Come teach me about the God of Israel. I'll see you guys when I get back. I love you. Triester, if you see a Jewish man or a Jewish woman, or let's say a Jewish boy who's weighing the cost of following Orthodox Judaism or following Messiah through Jesus, and they say, it must be true that Messiah was Jesus, but who's going to teach me if it's true or not? Bye? Or do you have to learn Hebrew first? Or do you have to have enough, enough knowledge to be able to witness effectively? 
I think the Lord is giving us time to prepare. And this is something that we can talk about in our living rooms uh, or after church and find out what the Lord's doing. But if you have a definitive word from the heavens that says go, go at once. We have to respond faster, faster than we did the last time in our obedience to the Lord. Let's look at Peter's way of life and discipleship. Let's go to Matthew 21. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed on the third day and be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Matthew 16, we have Peter getting rebuked by Jesus, being called Satan. In John 21, we have Jesus rebuking him for saying, Do you just love me? Tend my sheep. Peter's not getting the point. But after denying him, Jesus reinstates him. In Galatians 2, we have Paul rebuking Peter. Peter for being hypocritical in, in his observance of Jewish law. And we have Paul, who is younger in the faith, rebuking the man who is older in the faith. And what makes Peter so amazing is that through rebuke of Jesus, through failure of denying him, through being reinstated, through being rebuked by a brother who was younger in the faith, He had the humility to say, it's not even about me. I have to respond faster than I did the last time and begin walking in holiness and repentance. And Peter is the the greatest example of that. The thing I love about Peter is that he didn't quit. So if you're getting beat up day after day, things aren't going right. You keep losing jobs. Jobs aren't working out. If relationships are getting more and more difficult, if you're, you're fighting for shalom in your home and it just seems like the issues keep stacking up, if you keep trying to do well and you keep failing and it's like I fall on my face, then one, if you think that you're a failure, don't. The Lord w- wants you to succeed. You have brothers that are already elevating you as better than themselves. Reach out to them. Ask for help. We're here for each other. And just don't give up. Because when we fight together, we're stronger. Can you say we're stronger? We're stronger. Amen. So that's number four. We are stronger. Now, that was a little weak. All right. This is the last one. You guys ready? One, two, three. We are stronger. It's the truth. You gotta say it like it's true. You gotta say it like you believe it because the truth of the matter is, is that we are stronger. But there is something that makes us stronger. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 5. This is the last one, guys. We are stronger. 
First Peter chapter 5 and verse 8 says something pretty awesome. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him standing firm in the faith, because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. That word, standing firm, that's a very interesting word. It's the Greek word, stereos. It's Greek 4731. It's got an interesting definition too. But if you think about stereos, stereos, what, what does that remind you of? Maybe like a stereo? Come on, Chris. You ever have one of those? A couple, three, four, maybe five speakers working together to portray one sound, one track. Stereos. So, To resist the devil steadfastly is to have you and your brother both in the spirit working against the devil together. And guess what? When you do that, you win every time. When you have stereos together with your brother or stereos together with your sister and you're going against Satan and his schemes, that's how you defeat him. You're together in fellowship, in stereos, full of the Holy Ghost with one another. And you defeat Satan in his schemes. See, there's a, it's a little bit different than what I thought it was before today. 1 Peter chapter 5, I'm, I'm just thinking about myself when I read it, to be honest with you. I'm just thinking about what I can get from it. Or what it means for me when I'm by myself in a certain situation at work. You know, that's not what it's talking about at all. It's talking about when you get in that place where Satan's advancing and he seems like a roaring lion in that moment. You, you wake up and you get your stereos and you call your brother and you say, I need to be unified with you. Here's what's going on. Here's what I believe the word says. Can you bear witness to that? And can you help me fight against this seeming roaring lion so that we can put it down? So it's just a chihuahua with a microphone like he really is. Guys, that's what we need. We need to have stereos with one another. That's how we defeat the enemy. Amen. Verse 10. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. Oh, to him be the power forever and ever. Amen. You see, suffering for Christ is so much more than people spitting on you and people talking badly about you than people throwing you in jail. It's so much more than that, guys. Suffering for Christ mostly in your life and in my life, it looks like you recognizing the devil's schemes against you and standing firm in your faith in Christ with your brothers. Being joyful, full of hope, full of perseverance through pregnancy difficulties, through sicknesses in you through sicknesses in your family, through sleepless nights, through difficulties in travel, through broken down vehicles, not being able to easily find work, or just some general opposition that's going on in your life. You see, that's the kingdom, guys. That's the kingdom. And if you're discouraged about any of that tonight, know that it comes from the chihuahua with a microphone and it's time to get some stereos with your brother. It's time to get some stereos with your sister. Don't feel discouraged. It's time to put that away. 
share. Share what's going on. Get some stereos tonight with your brother if you're discouraged about something. That's how we will defeat Satan and his schemes. The thing is, is that these things are bound to come. We're bound to have these hardships. We're bound to have these persecutions that look like this. So we've got, got to learn how to work with one another, how to let others into our lives, even if it's uncomfortable, even if it, it's, it, it hurts a little bit, even if it doesn't make you feel or seem like the Christian that you want to portray. Is that hitting anybody tonight? Get some stereos before you leave this building tonight. I guarantee you, it'll make you feel better and it'll give us that unity that we need to walk out with tonight. Everyone go to Colossians 1. I want you to hear how Paul thought of this. We're going to read verses 21 through 24. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your mind because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through the death, through death, to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Now I rejoice in what was suffered for you and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's affliction for the sake of his body, which is the, which is the church. Come on, we're not done suffering yet. We need to fill up in our flesh everything that Christ has gone, gone through. And we might be complete in Him. Are you tired of struggling yet? Or do, you wanna, or do we need to press on? Because the struggle's not over. If you're, if you're breathing in that seat, the struggle's not over. But Carlos, do you have enough strength to carry on? Yes, because it's His energy that's going to be working in you. If you're struggling tonight, His grace will work in you and you will be fighting with the energy from the God of heaven. And you will be able to overcome anything that comes your way. When you, when you trust the Lord, you are stronger. But it's not because you physically and your own strength become better. It's become, because you become more reliant on God to move and work through you. Come on, we need the Lord tonight. We need to be excited that He's granting granting us repentance. He's giving us a chance to be more unified by His Spirit. He's willing to give us His energy to carry out His will on the earth. And tomorrow, it's time to fill up in our body what's lacking, what we have yet to suffer for Christ. And when we are fully unified, and we know that difficulty is right around the corner, say, all right, devil, take my straw. I'm about to build twice as many bricks without it. And I'm going to prove to you that no matter what you do to me, my God's going to come through. And on the last day, he's going to crush your head. So I say, bring it on, devil. Bring it on. Because his energy is about to flow through me. And I'll let you finish what you're going to do through obedience to destroy the devil's work.
Come on, stand up with us tonight.